And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Gloriously textbook match of the day chat. The Highbury Screamer rebooted. Jonathan Pierce's odd mid-game stories. A revelation that will shake the player ratings industry to its very core. Biting back at Brighton's Boo Boys. Antonio Conte's festive compilation CD and the official guidelines for footballing uses of an early Christmas present. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 116 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry, alongside me first of all is David Walker. How's it going? Very good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Alongside you is Nick Miller. Are you looking forward to this podcast, Nick? Yes, this feels like a trick question. No, no, just answer it honestly. Yes, absolutely. Always look forward to these podcasts, Adam. I wonder if you're looking forward to this podcast quite as much as Michael Carrick was looking forward to Chelsea versus Manchester United. Uh, really looking forward to the game, uh, and we're looking forward to the game. We've come here to, to to look forward to the game, and we're looking forward to the game, and we're really looking forward to it. Oh, you're looking forward to it? Uh, now's a new challenge, and we're looking forward to it. <laughs> always became quite playful in the end, Dave. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you can see, you can almost see, yeah, looking Carrick's eyes as if he knows what he's doing. I can't believe it's from the same interview. Uh, it's about two and a half minutes interview, and he said it six times. But Patrick Davison... Coming in at the end there, Nick, with a very playful... Oh, so you're looking forward to it then, are you, Michael? <laughs> oh, my, uh, he would have been well within his rights to say, yes, I am, you sarky bastard. <laughs> Davison definitely getting above his station, I think, recently, Dave. Do you have any other examples of his mischievousness? Uh, I don't know. I've not really been keeping up to date with his activities. Well, no, he's just, he's just becoming a little bit more challenging. He's not letting uh, he's not letting his interviewees kind of get away with anything. He's, he's really... Mm. Well, it's his job, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No maybe question, he's just but... maybe he's just got his eye on the you know on the post Reezy era, just building his part. <laughs> My favorite favorite one of all those looking forward to is was the Carrick saying we've come here to look forward to it. That was a very odd one. What um, does that mean? Because I mean, I mean, he's put so much preparation into the game that he's even prepared for looking forward to the game, which is yeah. no stone left unturned in the uh, in the interregnum <laughs> period. So let's kick off the adjudication panel for this week. Um, I want to start. With perhaps the most textbook 20 seconds of football chat I've ever heard, Nick. This is from Very Tenables. He says, As soon as I saw Gary Lineker was interviewing Steven Gerrard on Match of the Day, I knew what was coming. After the game, I spoke to Steven Gerrard. 
Stephen, congratulations. Two games, Thank two you. wins, six points. It's quite easy, this Premier League management, isn't it? <laughs> I wish, I wish. City to come on Wednesday, Gary, so we can't get carried away. Listen, it's, it's been a real positive couple of weeks. The players have been outstanding in terms of their application. Note perfect, Nick. Note perfect. So, I mean, if you're really nitpicking, I would have, I would have liked a lark in there. <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise impeccable. And, and uh, uh, the perfect response as well. The kind of minor Lampardian transition yeah. mm. from Gerard just get a bit of a giggle reference to a, a tough game coming up and then no but seriously yeah. and, in, and into the standard answer. Yeah, you can't, you can't, really can't fault it really. So good. I mean actually Dave for once I'm quite happy that it wasn't didn't have the lark in. For some reason I just didn't think it really needed mm. it this time but every single word of it from the start when he says I, I you know I spoke to Stephen Gerrard after the game, all the way right to the end, everything was perfect about that. It was just, oh, I just couldn't have designed it better. The lark would have jumped the shark, I think, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it would have felt a little bit too too much. Like, Is it, it, too, like it was, they were in on the joke, maybe. Too, too yeah. playful for someone of Ger- Gerrard's sort of status and gravitas, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, maybe. I'd say so, yeah, because he is a very serious man, we've established so far. So, so would you reserve a lark for maybe a, like a caretaker manager or something? Yeah, or, or someone someone who, yeah, someone who's not building something. So someone who's mm. happy to kind of, you know, take the joke because it's a lighthearted situation. Or maybe a manager on his thousandth game, which is pure lark territory, I think. Yeah, very Warnock. Warnock will have a lark, but I'm yeah, just just delighted. I really couldn't really couldn't have designed a, a piece of football chat better than that. So solid, solid start. Um, meanwhile, Dave, this weekend, I guess it's uh, in order to keep the Highbury Screamer franchise going on its last legs. There was the inevitable origin story, which is nonetheless set in the modern day, which is confusing. But yeah, let's hear that. Swept on by Tomiyasu, then by Aubameyang. Saka was caught there by Ritchie. And that Matt Ritchie's going to get the yellow card, and that means it's five yellows now this season for Matt Ritchie. Blood curdling. Sensational. It really, and they really did keep going the whole game. Yeah, go in the, away, in, kid. Yeah, in, in the true tradition of the Highbury Screamer. You went for the origin story, but I, 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 I'm sort of thinking it's some, more, of a, more of a reboot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, Son of Chucky or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it went from terrifying to just being really annoying. People shouldn't sit near the commentary gantry or... or well, actually, I'm being naive here. People shouldn't sit near the boom microphone, should they, Nick? Go away. <laughs> well, not particularly if, they, if they're going to produce out-of-context noises. I mean, the, the hybrid screamer always, at least, was sort of in context. It would always it would always happen in response to some kind of shocking event on the pitch. That uh, Just a, a bog-standard offside. That, that doesn't... No, I think, yeah, this was a, it was a foul, wasn't it? It was like a sort of injustice for a player being hauled down, um, which, if anything, is more Goodison than, than Arsenal, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's just my... Opinion. They've dumbed it down for the for the current generation, haven't they? She's not as yeah. not as well written as the, <laughs> as the previous version. The the screamer for the TikTok generation. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Very curious goings on from the Champions League last week. Um, Berkshire Blade writes in. He says, "I love the casual chit chat, Nick, on non English lower key Champions League games." Um, he's onto something because you know these. I wouldn't call them dead rubbers, but these perhaps not quite the headline games tend to elicit a certain kind of mood from, from our established commentators. This is Jonathan Pierce during Besiktas versus Ajax, uh, having a little chat with uh, Nigel Spackman. Beautiful. Touch worthy of the great Pat Nevin, that. 
Not on Pat's left foot, maybe <laughs> on his right. My old teammate at Chelsea. Tricky Pat. Yeah. He's uh, telling this injured, tell you a little story. We were in the Jeju, the island of the World Cup finals in 2002. That's the penalty incident, by the way. Handled by Masrao, given and the penalty converted by Geza. Pat told me he was a brilliant swimmer. And we were on the beach and he was swimming away and he was waving to me as he was swimming. I was reading a book by Leon Uris, I remember. And he's waving at me and I'm waving back and he's waving at me and I'm waving back and then he disappeared. About an hour and a half later, he said, what's the matter with you? I was waving, I was drowning. When you come and get me? I thought, I was just being polite. He said I was reading a book. Yeah, <laughs> very, very good book. He's <laughs> included. Like it never happened. <laughs> Dave, I think what my favourite part of this is, I mean, commentators are occasionally want to tell these kind of stories in, in the middle of the game. But um, I enjoyed him sort of being interrupted by a replay of the only goal of the game so far and having to sort of say, yeah, go on, right, yeah, 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 yeah. dispatch that. Good. <laughs> anyway, anyway, as I was saying. <laughs> Rudely interrupted. I mean, that yeah. whole thing is just absolutely ludicrous. And also, you know, unfinished story as well. Who saved Pat? Who came to get him? What, what, what peril was he in? Why was he drowning? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Nick, it just felt like a the whole thing just felt like a vehicle for Jonathan Pierce revealing that he's read a book by Leon Uris <laughs> and that he's mates with a former footballer. Which yeah. We shouldn't uh, you shouldn't necessarily uh, be that surprised about but by one of the more famous football commentators in the world who frequently worked with former footballers. The lack of resolution to the story is is quite troubling because you know as we all know, Pat Nevin did not in fact drown in two thousand and two. He's alive and well, but what, I mean. You can't you can't leave details like that just hanging in the air. Yeah. Well, statute of limitations has probably uh, ended on that, but it, it would have made a very good podcast if if the worst had happened, Dave. We'd have a proper true crime situation. Jonathan <laughs> Pierce's dodgy past coming back to haunt him. But but also a, a drowning wave is not the same as a wave. Just all right, mate. You enjoying your book? Oh right. <laughs> I presume it'd be a bit more frantic than than that as well. Yeah. You know, it's almost as if this may not have happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but also some lovely, really nice textbook pundit banter from Nigel Spackman as well. Mm. Just yeah. talking about oh, not on his left foot. Yeah, oh, exactly. His, my old teammate Tricky Pat. Mm. Yeah, didn't try and overshadow the story, did he? Uh, no. Just, just leapt in with a couple of... But yeah, classic off, sort of semi-off-duty Jonathan Pierce. there. I really enjoyed it. Meanwhile, Jason Kennyworth writes in, Nick, and said, when did commentators and pundits start saying, by the way, so much? During the second half of Manchester City versus PSG last week, I counted... Danny Mills say it at least four times. Right, brilliant work for counting, at least. What a weird thing to get fixated by. But, I mean... First of all, let's let's talk about this first of all, the phrase, by the way. When in, in its regular everyday usage, we kind of understand what it means. It's kind of like it's a an aside plus an addendum, just you know, extra bit of information that you may or may not have needed. But in a football context, I feel like it means something completely different. It just means mind sort of I might I need to emphasize something, maybe. I don't know what it means. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it seems to be sort of a you might not have spotted this, but, mm. but you know by the way. What a pass, or something along those lines. Yeah, it's, but it's I, deployed really oddly, Dave. But that, that, that's that, that. Sorry, that, that, that's that's the way it uh, it should be used. But it all it all seems to kind of track back to Ali McCoist, who, mm. uh, 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 as as I recall, used to use it 
uh, like on question of sport. He when when someone pull an answer out of out of nowhere, oh, he, he'd yeah. say, "By the way." Exactly. Yeah. What an answer. Yeah. What an answer, by the way. And he's he's then brought that into to his Where does he pull that one from? Exactly. Yeah, Les exactly McCorkin, by the way. <laughs> this is actually a sensational shout for the origin of this, you know, in a mainstream sporting context. Absolutely right. I think this is this is absolutely right. I think you are onto something, Nick, because I I was going to say that the person I've heard it used use it the most is Alan Brazil. I think it will become it just seeps into the sort of subconscious. It's it's a, it's like a punctuation. It's just like a mm. thing that these people say. But it might be a Scottish. It could be a Glaswegian sort of tick, perhaps. I can imagine Billy Connolly dropping it into like a chat on Parkinson. By the way. By yeah, way. I yeah, it, it does kind of it, it does end a sentence nicely. It parachutes a sentence to its ending very nicely, actually. No matter what the observation was, whether you're likely to have heard it before or not. But um, but just maybe to emphasise the correct usage or the accepted usage of "by the way," we ought to drop in what I think is a dubious usage from the very same game. This is from Mickey Hoo-ha. This is following Lanzini's what turned out to be consolation goal for West Ham at right at the end. Whenever it goes towards Bowen by Laporte and Fernandinho just caught on it what a strike that is by the way it may mean little in the context of the game but Lanzini with a belter at the Etihad in added time Dave I am I I'm not prepared to accept a by the way in the announcement of a goal as it goes in yeah, too too soon. It's a it's a co-commentary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not your remit, commentator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly not in mention. the moment. The only thing I the only thing I can think of, Nick, as a reason to use, by the way, here is that it was kind of it was a kind of goal that came out of the blue. It was a very good goal. It was, you know, it was an unexpected shot. So you know, it's kind of well. By the way, by yeah. the, hello. But ideally, we need the sort of thirty seconds of commentary before that because maybe they were discussing something else maybe they were talking about Pat Nevin perhaps I don't know <laughs> yeah. so so if it was kind of they were having a discussion about the broader context about you know West Ham losing Manchester City uh, pulling clear at the top or whatever it was and then they were sort of half paying attention to the game and then as you say out the blue this fantastic goal by the way yeah. well, I, I can confirm that they weren't so, ah, so okay, yeah this, this out completely um, <laughs> a, a further layer of intrigue from Manchester City versus West Ham Mike Bailey writes in Dave says Carl Walker had a shot from outside the box to which the commentator said Walker fancies this and why not is there a minimum shot distance or set of circumstances that elicit an and why not I'll put it to you first Dave I'm going for 30 yards maybe going down to 25 if the defence is really backing off and mm. opening up the opportunity and or it's a player who doesn't score many goals yeah I, I would say that there's um there is quite a defined window because I, I don't think it can be further out than no not too say 35 exactly because then it's not day thinking sort of yeah. thing yeah um so yeah I reckon you I, I'd say you're correct actually 25 to 30 somewhere in that pot shot that territory region. it has to be a player who doesn't score very often but who has scored sort of long ranges or you know 30 25 yards before so but we do know we can hit of, them exactly yeah. yeah there's a realistic prospect of this possibly going in although it's unlikely might as well mm. and why not yeah, and why go. not so should we should we say maybe 25 to 35 is that that's an acceptable window yeah. the corridor of the corridor of <laughs> suggestibility <laughs> 
it's not going to catch on. No. It might do for this commentator. Who knows? Alex White asks a very pertinent question, really, in these grand scheme of things. Nick, how many good goals does it take for a player to be having their own personal goal of the season competition? I think it's probably three, and I think it has to be in quite a relatively like short period of time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 games? Is that too... I don't know, is okay. that... Is so, Letitia, early 90s purple patch. Yeah, kind of Yeboa... What was that? What was that? Ninety-five. That the, mm. the Yeboah Yeboa goals. Yes. That that kind of and that's quite a high standard. Oh yeah. But I don't know. Is, t- is, t- is three goals in three three absolute strikers in ten games? Is that too high a standard? Does it, do we need in, to kind of loosen it a little bit? We're in the right ballpark, Dave. I probably would have said two in as many weeks. Yeah, I think the, the recent third can memory- be sort of floating around earlier in the season because that will still be in the conversation, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and remember, he's already scored two absolute belters earlier in the season. Yeah, I think I think you need two pretty quick, pretty close together. You need to be fresh in them. The first one needs to be fresh in their memory for the by the time of the second one. Yeah, maybe agreed. maybe yeah. yeah, maybe two in one uh, match of the day goal of the month cycle. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, literally, literally true. I mean, Alex White is onto something here. I think we've we've more or less defined the the parameters of this. Uh, but I'm just trying to think the context of in which you would actually say it because it's an accepted phrase in football. But Nick, it feels to me very. Gerald Sinstat, RIP, match of the day, roundup, voiceover territory. I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't hear it anywhere else. Maybe Soccer Saturday, but I feel like a Soccer Saturday pundit wouldn't pluck that out of the bag. So Tony Yeboah is having his own personal goal of the season competition at the moment, and he continued it against it, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. I just feel like it's more considered, isn't it? Can't be setting it off the cuff. Yeah, it could be an EFL roundup thing as well. Mm, quest, yeah, very yeah. questy. Very questy. Yeah. I think it would fit on a sort of minor match of the day commentary, like mm. you know, maybe fourth, fourth or fifth game on. James Ward Prowse hits another free kick, and he's having his own, you know, personal yeah, okay. goal of the month competition there. Yeah, as he's running away towards the corner flag. No, that's fine. Okay, I will accept yeah. that. How neat are we going to get in this episode? Who knows? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, an open and shut case, Dave, of unacceptable football banter. This is, well, the likeliest suspect of all. Gary Cotterill went all the way over to Paris to grill... Mauricio Pochettino, quite literally. And when you relax and you sit down to eat, do you prefer beef bourguignon or roast beef? <laughs> Say again. Say again. Beef again. bourguignon to eat, French, or roast beef, English, for your meal? No, the barbecue. Argentina barbecue. <laughs> Too sure, always. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Now, now, Dave, we we know what to expect from from Gary Cottrell. That's fine. He's he's intrepid in his own in his own way. Does his job very well. Yeah. Um, the opening attempt at it, five out of ten, absolutely fine. But the the moment he had to do it again in the style of someone ordering at a restaurant yeah. abroad. <laughs> Beef fork and your French, <laughs> roast beef English. Oh, yeah, that, no. that clip, which I think is about twenty-five seconds, felt like a million years. Oh, and I, I don't think the translator really properly went into the detail. I just think he went, "Do you prefer English or French food?" Yeah, <laughs> and, and you have to say. Uh, to, Dealt with in a textbook fashion by Pochettino. Mm. Yeah, do, re- rejects both the options uh, uh, and tr- tries not to play the game too much, but doesn't want to come across as too humorless. So he, you know, makes his own gag. You've you've pretty much summed up Pochettino's style perfectly. He's affable, but really under his own terms. Uh, yeah, I've never. Very few managers are like that. I mean, Guardiola is is an outlier. He's he's troublingly anxiety-inducingly um, yeah. friendly. But uh, Postino is very affable. He's got a very affable face, but it's really he's he's playing by his own rules, isn't he, Dave? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I I think I think the translator sometimes has you know it does it gives him that little get out of jail sort of moment, doesn't it? Like, I'm sure he probably understood what Cosmo oh, no, was saying. No doubt. Like no. you know we, we know that now, but he just. It's old, it's old uh, Jesus Perez, isn't it? I think yeah. always yeah. sits with him. He'd probably just, just chuck him one. Just oh god, just do the old thing again. Just fucking, just speak a bit of Spanish to me, Jesus, and I'll just <laughs> give him a line. Come on. So it's a hell of a week for Cottrell as well, because I don't know if anyone else saw this. He um, to celebrate the return of in-person press conferences, he set off some party poppers at uh, Arsenal. I think it was. Oh, the puzzled looks from Arteta. Go, what the, are yeah, you doing? Uh, the, the, the the screenshot of Arteta's. What the fuck is this? Yes. On, on his face has, yeah. uh, has appeared in a number of WhatsApp groups. Yeah, what has become of us? What has become of our industry, Dave? I don't, <laughs> this isn't this isn't a dig at one man. I feel like we're all participating he have, in this. He, he should have gone full confetti cannon, really. I think, <laughs> like, like really a gender reveal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a yeah balloon with confetti in it. Just oh God. Yes, yes, indeed. In in person press conferences are back. Thank. God, thank God you're all back. Anyway, um, a lovely story for you now. Um, player ratings, very much a low-key fascination of this podcast, Nick. But this is a, a troubling story for Simon McKeown. Listening to you talk about player ratings made me realise I have to get something off my chest, he says. In 1989 to 1991, I was the trainee reporter at a Liverpool-based press agency. And as the only person in the office who liked football, I was given, despite my junior status, all the football-related work we got which included doing player ratings for Shoot and Match magazine from Anfield and Goodison. Okay, so now we're talking talking high-grade player rating, you know, back in the days when it was very Mm. important. This wasn't just a throwaway piece of sidebar content. He continues, I have to confess that as an Everton fan, I was laughably biased and would award no Liverpool player higher than an eight, giving mostly sixes. This despite them having an absolutely stellar team, Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, Rush which won the title playing some incredible football. Conversely, I would happily award Stuart McCall and Tony Cotty a 9 out of 10 almost every week. Every week for a year and a half, the shooter match player ratings of Liverpool were rigged against them. (laughs) I do not apologise for this. In my defence, the pro-Liverpool media bias since then has been more punishment than even that minor crime deserved. Please emphasise my complete lack of regret. 
Nick, this is a scandal. I feel like if this had broken like 20 years ago, there would have been an inquest. Well, it almost certainly would have been rolled into Leveson, wouldn't it, surely? I mean, you know, this is this is high end stuff. I mean, uh, uh, an obvious point, but a huge fan of the lack of regret there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Thirty years on, and he does not care. Absolutely shameless, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. I wonder if anyone noticed. Surely, some discerning readers of Shoot and Match magazine would have tweaked something after. It's curious, I mean, isn't it? The, 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 you've, you're familiar with Liverpool fans, Dave. <laughs> I think they probably would have noticed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I don't know where. Where in sort of I don't know the late eighties nineties are you going to vent this frustration <laughs> right in a really angry letter to shoot yeah. and match? Yeah, exactly. That's what your only option is a reader's letter. Can't be asked, can you? I think so. I think this is, this is genuine scandal. I mean, just loads of men in the pub complain. Hey, you see those player ratings again? Tony Cotty every week, nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a real stretch for Tony Cotty. Um, Personally, but uh, I don't know. Simon McKeown, you've cost yourself a job at Le Keep. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, if it was even ever on the table. But um, yeah, I hope you didn't get in too much trouble on Merseyside for that one. Uh, next up, um, a curious case study for booing this weekend, Dave. This was, of course, uh, Brighton's home draw with Leeds on, on Saturday evening. After which, Graham Potter sort of took on the Brighton fans and... I want to, let's let's hear what you had to say first before we dig into this. Most chances created for you guys as well this season. Mm. At the end, the fans didn't sound too pleased. There were a few boos. What would you like to say to them? Well, they're entitled to their opinion. I disagree with them completely. And just explain a little bit more why. Well, because you you have to understand the game. You have to understand uh, who we're playing against, how we played, what we did. I think we're sitting eighth in the Premier League, but maybe I need a bit of a history lesson of this football club. Now... Dave, Premier League booing and managers having to respond to questions about booing is a fairly commonplace thing. But this very specific scenario is very rare. Dealt with it quite well, I thought. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a terrible game, uh, you know, to the point where I almost considered booing at my TV screen. But, um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, he's completely correct. He's mm. absolutely right to say I disagree with them completely. Yes. Why would anyone be booing? They're doing really well at yeah. Brighton, for Christ's sake. Okay, okay, that's fine. But I mean, a few nil-nils recently, Nick. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the threshold after which, you know, any set of fans, no matter what the history of their club or their recent trajectory, you just think, fuck it, I'm bored. I want more. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, uh, do you think this was a kind of, this wasn't just an isolated thing about this game? This is, I, I don't know, is it a series of defeats is it a, a series of kind of scoreless games what do we what do we think it's the just, threshold is it seems to be a, a pocket of fans at the Amex who follow the XG philosophy on Twitter yeah. <laughs> so I've I, had just, enough or, or just a huge fan of the um, uh, of the maybe I need to have a history lesson thing because oh, um, oh, what's great yeah, because because obviously what he's actually saying there is, I was under the impression that you lot were shite before I turned yes. up. So you know, if you can, if you if you think someone else can do better, yeah. I'm I've got job offers on the table elsewhere, yeah. lads. Um, I'll be I'll be out of here as as, yeah. as soon as possible. Chris Hutton is available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you were happy with him, that's not a problem. I hadn't followed Graham Potter too much. Uh, I didn't realise he was capable of this level of snark, Dave. I mean, I, mm-hmm. but once again, I should emphasise. I, I think he pitched it very well. He didn't go overboard. The understanding the game and the history lesson thing was 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 the perfect amount of snark. Um, he he obviously he threw in the mandatory they're entitled to their opinion, but there wasn't a uh, they pay their hard earned money. That that's not that wouldn't apply here, would it? You can't. 
that's that's more for clubs who are genuinely shit and struggling, and their fans are sort of really. That's for a manager who's on the side of the fans who he's using it using it as an excuse to have a pop at a pop at his own players. I think, and uh, what I like about this is that. Obviously, Potter is increasingly linked with jobs of a higher stature than Brighton, talked talked up for top six jobs, maybe the England job, etc. Highly rated. But there's you know, there's always that sort of there are a few suspicions in some quarters that maybe, you know, Swansea, Brighton, Ostersons, can he can he really make the jump up? Mm. I like I think this is evidence that he can. Yeah, yeah, I because think, yeah, he's, you, he's, I could see in a in a heated sort of, you know, Manchester United he's got the Man United job and he's having a bit of a bad spell and he's under a bit of pressure and he's he's come out fighting. It's actually he's not very, gonna wilt. A very good point because Nick, when we talk about our, our managers like Graham Potter, you know, suited to a big club, from our perspective, all we can really judge that on is how well does he do in interviews which is we know is very superficial and speaking well and that sort of stuff maybe this sort of stuff will help we don't know how he's going to deal with an ego in a dressing room but we know how he'll bat questions back looking at it the, the other way do we think he would be he's kind of done this from a little bit of booing at the end of one <laughs> game is he is is he too thin-skinned is he gonna you know the the pressures of the Manchester United and Roy Keane kind of Balling at him from the uh, from the pundits box, pundits box. What the fuck is the pundits box? <laughs> Studio, I believe. Studio, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, <laughs> the pundits box. The pundits <laughs> box. No, you just go. People just go up to Roy Keane and feed him a bit of sugar or some carrots <laughs> in a bar with his head hanging out the back. <laughs> I want it you, to be called the you, pundit box from now on. When, when you when you try to overtake one on the road, you got to really really go slowly <laughs> around. <it. laughs> I, I see what you're saying, but I think I could again. I could sort of now see him to having a bit of a barb back at Roy Keane. You know, just saying, well, you know, Roy Keane's obviously got a great playing record, but I do disagree with him completely. I do have obviously. a UEFA Pro license? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! 
Football Teories by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. More familiar territory, though, for football. And that was Snow at Burnley, Nick. There was very obvious iconography of it all. Sean Dyche out there in just his shirt. Staff all, all pitching in. So It almost got to the point where journalists almost helped, which feels like crossing a line. Shouldn't do that. Um, stay neutral. But it feels like these situations cannot exist without at least one couple travelling from the US and not managing to see the game. Why does this keep happening? You never hear about the successful trips over from the US, 5,000 miles, to go and see a Premier League game, do you? Well, they're, I mean, they're tourists who are ruining the game for the proper supporters, but <laughs> as soon as something like this happens, it's a heartwarming tale. This was Ken and Brandy Saxton, and Charlie Eccleshow wrote about them after the game. He says, a gregarious couple from Dallas. <laughs> good, good description. Who, who, who began their 4,600-mile journey to the northwest of England on a Friday morning with a flight to London via Washington that landed at Heathrow Airport the following day. I mean, this story, this story has a classy ending, Dave, because Harry Kane has invited them as his guest to a Spurs well, game course. next time. Next time they're in the UK. Doesn't offer to fly them over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're next here, after this horror trip that ended with a Weatherspoon's pie, next time you're here, you can come to Spurs game on my dollar. That's, not, you, that's oh. nice touch, not classy touch. Classy touch if you've flown them over. Have you have you seen the um, the milkshake ducking of this guy though? That some some there was a, a previous. It's not that bad, but a previous tweet not too long ago that where he basically said Harry Kane is shite and we should sell him. <laughs> that's fine. And yeah. Harry Kane should just take that. As far as I'm concerned, um, yeah. um, that's just that's just how it is. That's just how it is. The ups and downs of football fandom. What a gift for Eccleshare as well. (laughs) It's been sitting there freezing in the... What the hell am I going to write about now? Can I just... Can I ring in the desk? Can I just... Oh, you still want a story? Just sees on his phone the tweet. Come on! (laughs) Yeah. Ken and Brandy Saxton, though. I mean, Charlie, you could have made up some better names than that. as You know, slightly more American, perhaps. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, uh, I, I couldn't get footage of this and I'm, I'll forever be disappointed. But FPL Chancer Nick tells me that um, during this snow delay or, or snow uncertainty before Burnley versus Spurs, Keys and Gray over in Qatar were filling time by discussing the existence of Bovril. <laughs> what a conversation that must have been. Can't get it over here. Can't get it over here. It's probably the only, only downside of living in Doha. You can't get it over here. Nope. 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 No bother, no. Too warm. <laughs> Don't need it. <laughs> they probably they probably go to bottomless Prosecco brunches, don't they, every day? Bottomless Bovril. I thought it was bottomless Bovril. <laughs> Does it? Someone should do that. Burnley should do bottomless Bovril. If you get to the ground early... Oh well, there's there's a there's almost certainly a long read in the um, the uh, the disappearance of uh, Bovril from the British football experience, or rather, its disappearance from relevance. Because well, I a couple of years ago went to uh, an Arsenal game. My partner asked for a Bovril at the thing, and the guy behind the counter hadn't got a clue what she was talking about. Just, I mean, is this a games gone moment? I think it might be. When you try and buy a Bovril, and there was Bovril available, we had to point at the Bovril to get the get the guy to recognise what what Bovril. He just didn't understand the concept of it. Probably have to plant based now, wouldn't it, Nick? Yeah, these days. <laughs> what was it? I don't know. Novril? I don't know. What would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But um, Novril Novril sounds like an airborne virus. Yeah, so or, yeah or, or it sounds like something. Yeah, sounds like 
something you would inhale to alleviate um, the virus that you get from an airborne substance. Let's get on to more seasonal matters now. Chris Darby writes in, Nick, and says, is the last weekend of November too early for assists or created chances to be described as an early Christmas present. Sorry to jump in here, Nick. Full disclosure here that I messaged a mate of mine yesterday who was a Leicester supporter and said, oh, early Christmas present there for you from William Truce to come. Did, did you say that unironic? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm afraid. Quite the disclosure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, this is sort of, I would say this aligns this is kind of a personal circumstances thing and it very much aligns with your Christmas tree. Whether your Christmas tree is up, then that's the point where you can say early Christmas present, I think. So um, I'm, I'm looking at the, the in the background of you know, the Zoom call here, Dave, and I, I assume that's your living room and I, I can't see a Christmas tree. So mm, No, there will. I am going to purchase one in the next few days <laughs> and they are on sale at the shop at the end of the road. So yeah. I, I think I think we're in... And I, I, I've... I think people have probably gone a little bit earlier this year than last because of you know because of for obvious reasons for from last year. Mm. So I think I think we are. I think this weekend was the first. Yeah, you know, with the snow as well. I just think we are, we're there. I I'm I'm slightly concerned about using a December centric approach to this, Nick. I mean, elsewhere in your life, that's fine. That's when Christmas really starts to kick in or should do. But in football. There are only very limited opportunities to use this situation. And then when Christmas suddenly arrives, then then it feels too late to be talking about this, especially as an early Christmas present. So I think a month, if, it, if you're within a month of Christmas, that's OK. And then when this weekend offers up such situations as Jorginho's error to present Jadon Sancho with that astonishing opening goal at Stamford Bridge, that's an early Christmas present, right? That's... That 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 ticks all the boxes. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, I simultaneously follow all your logic and uh, agree with the logic, but at the same time disagree with the the final conclusion. <laughs> I, I, I think it's too early. And then, Dave, in the 88th minute at Stamford Bridge, this happened. Donny Van der Beek waits to come on late on here. For Manchester United, terrible from Mendy, gives the ball away. Late chance for United. Oh, Fred goes for the logged curler and lobs it straight into the arms of Edward Mendy. And he had Lingard and Ronaldo in support on his left-hand side. That was a real waste and that could still cost Manchester United. I'll get Karen's thoughts on the chance in a second. Let's just see what Chelsea can do. They're so right. yeah, Karen Carney's now got 20 seconds to... Uh, to cross-check her calendar with her BBC Style Guide and make the right decision, as far as I'm concerned. Um, She's analysed all the situations and she's realised that it does indeed deserve the following. Wow, what a chance. Mendy's just giving him an early Christmas present there. Playing out on the back because he's trying to press, actually, Manchester United. That's it. It's the rubber stamp for me, Nick. You're overruled. Karen Carney says it's an early Christmas present. Again, uh, this is my, possibly a minor point, but does it have to be accepted for it to be uh, to qualify? I don't think so. And no, I suppose it doesn't because it's still a Christmas. If so, if you give someone a, a a present and they say no, don't want it and throw it in the bin, open it then later. It's November. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's still, that's still a present, isn't it? You still, you still, yeah. The gift, yeah, the gift okay. has been given. It's been yeah. presented. What you do with it, it's up yeah. to you. <laughs> Quite, quite right indeed. Um, glad to get this sorted before December kicks in. But I want to uphold another tradition that's been rather sorely neglected in recent times. Elizabeth Barnard writes in. 
As I've got no observations to make for the weekend's football, but please bring back Premier League Year's playlist bingo. We shall. We shall bring it back. Something of an early Christmas present for our listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much so. I'm, I'm keeping back the ultimate Christmas present that we play every year. I can, can I say every year? We've only had, how many Christmases have we had? One. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm saving it. Um, anyway, Elizabeth Barnard, we are going to play Premier League Years Playlist Bingo. And Dave, do you know what? You can play for once. You okay. can play. So I want a number uh, between 1 and 1,379. We will play that song from the Premiership Years Playlist as lovingly created by Wenger's Eyes and discuss under what context it may have been played. So I am going to go for number 1,000. You're going for 1,000. Most of the choices have tended to be quite early on. Let's delve into the more recent era. Dave not mucking about, going straight for the round number. Let's find song number 1,000 of Premier League years. Meet Me Halfway by Black Eyed Peas. Manager getting sacked. Come on. <laughs> Manager getting sacked halfway through the season. <laughs> and they've got someone lined up already. It, it won't be this. I know it won't be this. But meet me halfway. For some reason, the thing that popped into my head was pretty much coin toss. Yeah. <laughs> now, we know by now we should never take the song titles as part of the equation, but you've taken that so literally. I really like it. So, yes. So this is a this is presumably a co- uh, montage of coin tosses. Uh, that, that, during... Yeah, that, that 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 would be the choice made if the the guy who's in charge of music for Holmes under the hammer somehow got uh, was put in charge of the of the Premier League years music as well. Circa two thousand and nine, so right at the tail end of the Barclays era, so they would have been struggling for content. So who knows? Who knows what that might have been? Anyway, um, thanks for Elizabeth Barnard to put us in that quite the quandary because that was the toughest one we've ever had. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed that bumper edition of the Judication Panel. Cheers to you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks to you, Nick. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Oh, bye bye. Even sell the seven seas across the universe and all the other galaxies. Just tell me where to go, just tell me where you want to meet. I never get myself, myself to take me where you be. Cause girl, I want... The Athletic. <laughs>